Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross from the future. I'm recording this about 170 episodes in. We're currently in June 2023 and I just thought I'd record an introduction to my earlier episodes for the simple reason my sister was at breakfast the other day in a cafe and she overheard a lady saying to her friend, I have just found the inner work conversation. It's really, really useful. I'm going to go right the way to the beginning and work my way through the episodes. And it immediately made me want to try and contact this lady who I have no idea who she is and be like, no, don't do that. Because this this podcast, it's been going for a few years. And during that time, I have grown. I have changed. I have evolved. I have grown more confident in my abilities and in my competence, not just in my podcasting abilities, but also in what I do with my clients. I've become much more sure about who I best work with, who I best serve, and how we can best have conversations around the topics that are meaningful to the people who I work with. And so it makes me want to go, oh God, no, listen to the more recent episodes. That's where you're going to get your best value. That's where you're going to get your best insights. And it also, to be honest, makes me go, oh, in those older episodes, I sound different. I sound different because I was trying really hard. I was trying really hard to be liked and accepted. I was trying really hard to find my place in this in this space. And I think it comes through. I think that you can hear that. And I'll be honest, there's some old, old episodes that I've gone back and I've thought, oh, that, that's made me cringe or I actually disagree with myself. And so it leaves me with the question, why wouldn't I take the old episodes down? And my simple answer is this. As we all navigate life and business, we all evolve and we all grow. And there is always going to be an older version of us that we wish we'd have said things differently or we wish we'd have done things differently. Like for example, at the beginning of my business, I wish that I'd have been much more confident in who I worked with and how I can serve them and really back in my own, you know, opinions around certain things. But I can't go back. None of us can. None of us can go back to a previous version of ourselves and rewrite time. And so I'm leaving all of my older episodes in for one reason only. And that is because I want you to take these older episodes and take them for what they are, a demonstration of someone growing and evolving and learning in public. And I I say all of this and I introduce this episode with the hope that that not only inspires you, but also helps you to give yourself permission to grow and evolve and learn in public. So many of us just won't put ourselves out there for fear that it's not going to be good enough and you know it's not going to be right and when i when i listen back to my original my my initial podcast episodes it's not good enough and it's not right by my standards now but it was back then everyone has to start somewhere we all have to start somewhere we can't just rock up to something and be who we want to be or have the quality that we want to have from day one. So with what you're about to listen to, please, please know that as these podcasts, as the numbers roll on, the more me you will hear me get, but that's the more me now. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't value and insight in these older episodes. It's just letting you know that this is my version of growing and evolving out loud. So with all that said, let's get into the episode.
Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Inner Work Conversation, a podcast with leaders like you in mind. I'm Nikki Cross, owner of Thrive Life and Business, and in today's episode, I'm reflecting on January. Oh my God, can you believe it's the end of January? And sharing some of my personal development with you. In this episode, I'll be discussing how spending my time intentionally has really shifted things for me in my life and in my business. How learning about and understanding my human design has helped me to create new ways of working that really suit me. And most importantly, I'm sharing my tried and tested ways of dealing with procrastination and self-doubt when you're taking on new challenges. And of course, I'm diving into all things inner work with the objective of making you feel empowered and reassured that you are totally not alone. If you're a regular listener, I just want to thank you so much for being here. And don't forget to hit subscribe and tag me in your social media platform of choice with what your key takeaways have been. It really does help this podcast reach the people who can benefit from it most when you share. So let's dive straight in. So I don't know about you, but for me, this month has been a major learning curve. I have welcomed new one-to-one clients and I'm also preparing to open the doors for my first intake for Thrive Together. So for those of you who don't know, that is an online space for leaders, which I'm sure I'll talk much more about over the next few episodes, but that is not what today is for. So I've decided to share a monthly review episode at the end of each month, because in honesty, I'm finding my feet still with the podcast. And what I'm noticing is it's the episodes that I thought you would probably like the least. So the rambly ones, which I'm getting the most feedback on to say that you like them the most. So grab a coffee um, and let's get stuck in. (laughs) So the first place that I want to start is how aware I've been in January with the way that I use my time and how intentional I've been with my time. And over Christmas, looking back, I made a promise to myself, really, I suppose, to take a break. It's the first time in a long time that I've done that, like properly taking a break. And looking back, my mental health really thanked me for it. But what it also made me realise is the importance of clean rest. And that is something that I'll be teaching inside of Thrive Together. But it basically ties into the way we plan our time, the way we spend our time. And most importantly, the relationship that we have with time. I realised that previous to my experiment over Christmas, I was always feeling like a victim to time, constantly saying how busy I was, constantly swinging between times of squishing so much in that I literally just wouldn't stop, wouldn't have any breaks, just go, 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 go. All the way through to being sat at my desk with a list as long as my arm, but just not knowing where to start. And... I recognise that in those times, I would do something that I call busy work. So, you know, the work that you do that keeps you in a busy state, but it's not actually getting you anywhere, that, that is what I would do. So in January, I've been much more intentional with the way that I've used the time that's available to me. Um, And I say those words in particular because like many others, I have been homeschooling and keeping my child's mental health you know, where it needs to be. And at the same time, trying to progress my business. So being intentional with my time, it's sort of been half through choice, but also half through necessity, really. (laughs) But what's come out of it has been really interesting because now I've got a planning method that suits my personality, suits my preferences, and it really is proving invaluable. 
So that leads me on to my second point. In January, I booked in with the lovely Lee from Living Further to have my human design chart explained to me. So for those of you who aren't familiar with human design, it's basically a system and it includes a combo of quantum physics, human genetics, astrology, um, the chakra system. There's probably loads more to it that I'm unaware of. It's like a multi-layered energetic blueprint and I understand firstly that this ex- it probably sounds really spiritual and possibly quite far-fetched but what I've come to understand is the more I know myself, the more I know my strengths and my weaknesses and my preferences and my natural ways of working, the more I can stop conforming to the ways of working and living that don't come naturally to me and instead of feeling different or strange or even innately flawed at times, it's empowered me to embrace the way that I am naturally and find ways of working and ways of living that take all of my natural preferences into account and work with them rather than against them. Now I noticed that when I started the business and I looked back, I used to blame a lot of my um, inefficiencies, let's call them, on being an employee. So I had to do things in a certain way because I was an employee. And, you know, those behaviours I thought stemmed from working in an office and at one point in my career working for quite a controlling employer who wanted to know exactly what I was doing with my time and etc. But when I started the business, what I noticed was I was carrying some of those behaviours through with me and all of a sudden I was my own boss with the ability to set my own rules. So I was no longer able, I suppose, to blame a boss or blame a culture or blame an environment. And so you have to really get to know yourself and know what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Anyway, I had my human design explained to me and Lee was really great. She structured the information in a way that made something very, very complex, very simple and understandable. And I genuinely now feel like some of the things that have really confused me about myself (laughs) now make a lot of sense. So some examples for me are things like the internal conflict that I feel when I'm striving for a goal that I've set and it's almost unreachable, but then at the same time battling with constantly not feeling good enough. And honestly, this is such a deep topic that I could probably do a whole other podcast episode just on this, but I do really feel like most leaders would benefit from understanding their human design, even if they don't lean towards the more spiritual concepts. So if that is something you're interested in, you'll have to let me know after you've listened to this podcast and I can actually ask Lee if she'll come on and share some insights into human design with us. I'm sure she'd be up for that. So yeah, so that was really, really interesting and really insightful. I think the word that I would use is affirming. I was speaking to a client of mine who has also this month had her human design explained to her and she used that word too. It's affirming. It helps you to understand yourself in order to work with your innate traits much more effectively. So that was really helpful. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about is quite chunky, really. (laughs) The big, big thing that I've learned this month is the growing pains of doing challenging or new things and very specifically how procrastination and self-doubt kicks in. So at the beginning of the episode, I I told you, didn't I, that very soon I'll be launching Thrive Together. 
And for me, this is a new thing and it's brought about many obstacles, many challenges and many limiting beliefs for me. Um, But I also get a lot of leaders coming to me for coaching because they know that there is more growth for them, but they're stuck. They're stuck in feeling like they don't know the next step. They're stuck in procrastination and they know they want to achieve something, but they're putting it off and putting it off. And a lot of the time they're doing that busy work that I talked about earlier. And it's a really weird place to be because they know they've got more to give, but they're overthinking to the point where they're actually exhausted, but not getting very much done. (laughs) So it's a really weird one, but hopefully you will know exactly what I mean when I'm talking about this. So this is a space that I too can definitely fall into. And what I wanted to do in this episode was just share really what I do to stop procrastination in its tracks, to care less of what other people are thinking of me. And most importantly, especially when it's new or challenging stuff that I've got on my plate, what I do to see failures as lessons along the way. So in a nutshell, to have a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed one. Having worked in leadership development for 15 years in lots of different industries, I have noticed about myself and about other people that when we try new or challenging things, it's really common for us to find ourselves in procrastination. So my steps to overcoming this are ones that I wanted to share with you. Um, The first thing that I want to say before I jump straight in is a prerequisite to these steps is self-awareness. If you're in the busy work, but you're not willing to notice the way that you're spending your time is being driven by fear or avoidance, then what I'm about to tell you isn't relevant (laughs) because you're not willing to see that that's where you are. And what I'm about to tell you, even if you feel it's useful, it's not gonna have the impact that it could have. So let's assume from now on that you've identified that you are in the busy work, you are procrastinating and you wanna come out of that space. And the other thing that I wanted to say before I jump in is the only way that I know to explain these things to you is to use myself as the example. And I can understand that you and me, we're probably in different scenarios. So you've probably got a different job to me with different responsibilities. So please, with everything that I mention, apply what I'm saying to your own personal situation rather than thinking, oh, she's mentioning an example that doesn't relate to me, like Instagram or podcasting or building a website or whatever. Try and apply that example to something that does relate to you. um, And hopefully that's where you'll get value. So (laughs) without further ado, when I'm in procrastination and I have identified it and I've identified that I'm doing the busy work, the first thing that I assess is, is this will or is this skill or is it a bit of both? So normally when we're trying something new or challenging, um, it, it requires us to be vulnerable and that is a really shitty feeling most of the time. You know, here we are, all grown up, all professional, looking the part with our own ways to show the world who we are. And all of a sudden, if we want to progress to the next level of our growth or the next level in business even, we, we're we expecting ourselves to become a beginner again. And usually to do that in quite a public and open way. So this will really apply to you if you've got a team around you as well. And often our subconscious reaction to that is like, no, (laughs) no, this is not safe. I do not want to do it. And our blockers go up and we're immediately in a position where subconsciously most of the time we justify and we make excuses 
But when we really assess, is this will, i.e. I don't want to do it because it's scary, or is this skill, i.e. I don't know how to do this, all of a sudden it becomes much easier to own it. Now, when I say own it, for me, the way I own a feeling is by writing it in my journal. And I know that everyone has their own unique and different ways of owning something. So you might write in your journal too, or you might say it out loud to a friend or a colleague or even to yourself. But the main point is that you own the reason why you are scared. I like to explain how I feel about something and and therefore own it so that I'm not it, bitch. It can't own me. So for example, I remember when I was new to social media and I actually didn't know how to post an Instagram story. I'm using this as an example because it's multi-layered and you'll see what I mean by that in a minute. But what I actually did is I got on there and I waffled away and I actually owned it. I explained to the world that I felt like I was dying inside. And if you don't believe me, DM me on Instagram and I will send you the archive story because I've actually got a sticker on my forehead that says dying inside. <laughs> but what I, what you notice when you own something is as soon as it's out there, you're no longer its bitch. So there you are owning this thing. Yeah, you might be in fear that you might get judged or you might fail, but you can therefore make peace with it and you're able to crack on. So when we look at what is holding you back from a perspective of will or skill, that is will. And hopefully you can see from me explaining the will element of it, that's why I said at the beginning, you know, prerequisite is self-awareness. You have to be really tuned into what you're doing and why you're doing it. The second thing is skill. Skill is when we don't actually know how to do something. And to do this, I, always look at what area of my being is lacking. So I'm gonna explain to you the model that I've used for 15 years. (laughs) Now, you can't see me, so I'm gonna have to explain this and you're gonna have to visualize it. But what I want you to do is think about a triangle and split it into three. So on the top layer is knowledge. I know how to do that thing. So I have the right information to be able to carry out the task. The middle layer is skill, and skill is I am able to. So I have the knowledge, the information, and I am also able to do it, I'm able to execute it. And the bottom layer of that triangle is behavior. So when it comes to assessing will or skill, we've looked at will and our resistance, if you like to sometimes doing things, but that normally also comes from an inadequacy in an area of us where we need to fill a gap. And like I say, to do that, I look at what area do I need to fill? Is it knowledge? Is it skill? Is it a behaviour? So to determine this, I'm going to take you through the little like mini process that I take myself through. (laughs) So going back to that triangle, if it's a knowledge problem, so knowledge at the top of the triangle, that's the easiest thing to fix. Are there things that I actually don't know that I need to know to be able to do what I want to do? Knowledge is the easiest to fix because it's the most accessible and at our fingertips. So if I think about the knowledge that I am missing, and I'll go back to the example that I used earlier on with social media and not knowing how to do Instagram stories, I literally didn't know how. So when I say that knowledge is at your fingertips, It's really easy these days to just head over to Google and type in, how do I post a story on Instagram? 
and it will sh it will bring up usually a YouTube video or a set of simple instructions for you to follow and carry out. But then once you've got the knowledge, so you know what buttons to press, you know what you need to do physically, then you ask yourself, move down the triangle, then you ask yourself, is there an issue with my skill? And you'll always be able to identify a skill gap because you might know how to do it, so i.e. what buttons to press, but it will feel uncomfortable. And this is usually because you haven't had much experience in actually doing it. So I might know the 12 steps to changing a tire or the 15 steps to delivering a baby, but it doesn't mean that I'm gonna be comfortable to do it. To get comfortable, you have to do it. It's experiential learning. Now, developing skill takes vulnerability resilience. So at the same time as up in your knowledge and at the same time as then experimenting with that knowledge through doing it you've also got to understand that in the doing it especially if it's something public like posting a story on Instagram for example or if you're a team leader speaking publicly or challenging someone um, someone's behavior for example that takes vulnerability resilience it takes being able to stick with something through the growth it takes not giving up on something when it's hard and uncomfortable and that is what most of us actually struggling with it's not gaining the knowledge it's not actually learning the thing it's in the doing it's in the practicing it's in the uncomfortable vulnerable messy part of growth that's when the majority of us give up because it gets hard so to develop a skill i make myself ask myself these questions how do i make it safe how do i make it easy how do i make it fun so if i apply those questions to instagram stories how do i make it safe well for example i didn't do this by the way but if i wanted to i could have recorded them to practice it and just not actually released it out into the world so that's one way how do i make it easy well, the biggest way to make something easy is by not overthinking it, not trying to be perfect. Maybe to perhaps progress my learning, I could share it with someone that I trust and get them to give me feedback. And as uncomfortable as this might be, that might be easier for me than sharing it with the world or with, you know, in public. But, but that perspective on it, how will this progress my growth? How will this progress my learning? That is what we want when we're thinking about how do I make it easy? And then the last one, how do I make it fun? Can we be more lighthearted about this thing that we're trying to learn how to do? Is there a way that I can make this less serious? And is there a way that I can take myself less seriously? If I fuck this up, is it really gonna be that bad? Can I have more fun doing this? And that's, they're really important questions because the more pressure and the more seriousness that we apply to a situation, the harder it is for us to do. It seems like a bigger mountain to climb. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is understand, is there any way I can make my ego more comfortable by reassuring it that even if I look a complete tit, it is still okay? Because nine times out of 10, it is. Nobody cares as much as you think they do. So that's, <laughs> hopefully you're still with me. That's knowledge, that's skill. And then the last part of it is behavior. And that is the most difficult part of it because it very much links to what I've just been talking about there. To be able to achieve doing this thing that I wanna do. So going back to that example, getting on Instagram stories and, and doing an Instagram story, or you know, you apply the right example for you. It could be confronting someone or delivering a you know a Zoom or public speaking or whatever, whatever it is. How is the way that you are being or thinking 
impacting your inability to do the thing you want to do. So for me, behaviour was massively holding me back because on reflection, the fear of judgment and the fear of not being seen as credible were impacting my behaviours. The questions in this situation are, what weight are you giving to the voice of your inner critic? What elements of your self-worth are you attaching to not being able to do in the thing that you want to do? And most importantly, we want to develop new behaviours and new skills and that takes time. How long will you persist? A lot of people give up at these two points when it's uncomfortable and when they don't see results as quickly as they wanted to. So I'm not saying don't be flexible. I'm not saying don't adapt, don't assess. I am saying that if we have expectations so high that when we don't reach them, we give up, that isn't going to serve us. So instead... So instead of seeing the struggle that you're going through when you're learning something new or you're faced with a new challenge as something that you are potentially going to be defeated by, see it as growing pains, see it as signs that you are actually growing into the next version of you, you're up-leveling. Instead of seeing the lack of results that you're not getting that you wanted to get, see the need for you to tweak something, to learn something, or maybe just to do more of it maybe just to try again and again and again and adapt. So as this is a month in review, an example this month for me is around building new skills, working through challenges, understanding where where you're lacking, you know, is it will, is it skill, is it knowledge, is it skill, is it behaviour? I've obviously been working really hard to launch Thrive Together and it has fascinated me just how much goes into launching a new service like this that's a bit more multifaceted. And it's really, really easy to flip from one thing to the other and to cut a very long story short anyway. When I started to come up against walls and challenges and problems, the main thing that I realised that I was struggling with was actually sales and marketing. They are not my core skills. And when I admitted that to myself and I sort of realised, yeah, what's really holding me back here is the ability to market this effectively and sell this effectively. Like I said earlier, I was able to release myself from being the problem's bitch and actually get down to addressing the issue. So on Sunday 24th of January, I sat down and I wrote a big list of all the unanswered questions and all the concerns I had about being able to market my new service effectively. And it turns out when I actually sat down and went through the list, out of 12 blockers, only two, two were unanswerable, were ones that I just didn't have the answers to and both of those blockers were actually easily solved by just asking for help. (laughs) So this episode was recorded on the 28th of January so I sat down on the 24th of January I wrote the list. On the 28th of January which is when I'm talking to you now all of those challenges have gone away. I asked for help, I got the help and the challenges have gone. So I suppose the question that we sometimes have to ask ourselves when we hit a wall is should I persist with this problem in order to effectively solve it? And the other thing that I've really noticed about persistence is just how much we actively avoid being disappointed. So what I mean here is we'll do things like not set our goals too high in case we don't achieve them, not expecting too much of a situation in case it doesn't actualise, not trying really, really, really hard or being really bloody enthusiastic in case we're potentially disappointed. And in all of these cases, we don't persist because we're protecting our own ego. This month 
has really challenged me in so many ways, but it's also made me ask myself, what is wrong with trying really hard and potentially being disappointed? Why do we protect ourselves so much from that? You know how when you become aware of something, you start to notice more and more examples of it? I have actually noticed lots of coaches and online trainers selling off the back of running away from the growth journey, getting away from the challenge, getting away from the uncomfortableness, shortening the time it takes to get from A to B. And don't get me wrong, I am all for achieving results in a quick and efficient way. And I'm not saying it's not effective for you to have the right tools, but I am saying in the 15 years that I've been supporting leaders, guiding someone through something like um, performance management with their team, for example, giving them the process and supporting them through it, of course, that's going to speed up their learning. Of course, that's going to make them feel less vulnerable and less shitty. But I'm not selling off the back of that. I'm not selling off the back of avoiding that uncomfortable growth. I guess my point is some of the things that I'm seeing online at the moment are cultivating that fixed mindset. They're cultivating almost like a shame that it's not good to be in that shitty growth period in that like metamorphosis period and I don't like it. (laughs) What I'm saying is it's normal. It's normal when you feel like you're going through something new or challenging. It's normal to feel vulnerable. It's normal to feel like an imposter. But stick with it. Persist. Instead of investing all your energy into avoiding or getting rid of the negative feeling, quote unquote, it's about cultivating a healthier relationship with your feelings, observe them. And instead of choosing a disempowering next step, like going to the fridge or flitting to the next task, choose an empowering one. So instead of trying to get rid of the shitty feeling that you're going through because you're going through a challenging thing, choose your response to it. And I think ultimately there are so many leaders out there with so much more to give or something different that they want to achieve, but they're getting stuck sometimes in even starting. And then when they do start, the moment it gets difficult or the moment they get negative feedback or the moment they don't see results as quickly as they expected to, they quit. And that is really tricky because often we don't quit in a dramatic way. It's like a fizzle out way. You know, I was going to do it every day and it went to every other day and then it went to every week and now, oh God, it's two months down the line and I'm just not doing that thing anymore, you know? Since Glennon Doyle released her book, Untamed, I think we all know the hashtag, you can do hard things. But the thing is, if you don't back yourself while you're doing the hard thing, you're screwed. Because you can only do hard things when you are prepared to persist, when you're prepared to sit through that horrible, vulnerable, gross, uncomfortable feeling of growth. And this is the value of having a coach. One of the things that I'll guide my own clients through is everything that I've just talked about, sticking with it when it's easy to lose faith in yourself. And sometimes as the coach, it's actually being there to show your client a different perspective. So the other day I was working with one of my clients who was taking her team through a big culture change. And since our last call, she was explaining to me how some of the team have struggled with the changes that she's putting in place. Obviously with the additional complexity of everyone remote working as well. And she was explaining to me that her fears in the beginning were that her team were gonna reject the new ideas. And in her eyes, when we got on the call, it was like her fears were becoming true. It was like, you know, oh, well, the team have started to reject 
that idea. But when I offered a different perspective through appropriate questioning, she was actually able to see that her team was simply adapting. They were going through the process of adapting and that isn't always easy. So you've got to allow for others to adapt to growth as well. It's so easy when you're close to a situation to become embroiled in it. And that's the value of coaching. It allows you to zoom out and see things that you might have seen as negative previously. You might have really felt quite shit about them, but they're not actually negative. They just feel like they are because you're the one going through the growth. And that is what, as a coach, it's really it's a really weird position because I guide my own clients through that, but also in January, going through my own growth, I can see that in myself. And ultimately, it's about developing resilience. It's about developing your confidence, not superficially, but through building self-trust that regardless of what happens, you can handle it and you will show yourself that if you give yourself the chance, if you persist. And that might be where you are. I don't know how your January's been. I hope it's been okay. I hope it's been a good start to the year. But you might be in that place listening to this podcast episode today. You might even feel a little bit called out or triggered by some of the things that I've said. And in ways, I hope you do. Because <laughs> this this podcast is called The Inner Work Conversation. I built this because it's through these tough conversations sometimes, even if we're the one having the conversation with ourselves, that the true growth really does happen. So with that, I am going to wrap up this episode. Yes, it's been rambly. A personal goal of mine is to limit the amount of editing that I'm doing post-recording an episode. And that's for two reasons, really. Firstly, time. (laughs) And secondly, I am building my own vulnerability resistance in doing that. I am demonstrating to myself that I can leave in all of the laughs that I can't stand the sound of. And all of the ums and all of the times that I'm messing up my words and all of those things. And it's also helping me to really focus on the messages that I want to get across. So it's building my skills in lots of ways. But but please do know that when you stick with me through these rambly episodes and you send me your feedback, it's so appreciated. So yes, thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and found some key takeaways that you can implement into your leadership and personal development practice. Any relevant links are in the show notes and if this episode did resonate with you, please don't forget to click subscribe and consider sharing this podcast with another leader or business owner that it might help too. Finally, if you'd like to stay updated with me and what I'm up to, I'll leave all links to my social media accounts in the show notes or head over to tlb.org.uk. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode.